All right, if you will take a seat and open your Bibles to Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight. We as a community have been studying through the gospel of Luke. The last month we've seen Jesus' power to heal. Luke takes us into a new scene in the life of Jesus uh, as we start chapter eight and we're gonna focus in on the first three verses. There's actually so much here in this short little snippet, in this little scene, that we're gonna spend the next four weeks on these three verses. There's that much there. As we get there, I wanna ask you a question. Have any of you ever received an inheritance? Anybody ever gotten an inheritance? Okay, we got some no's. I'm gonna tell you, man, I've gotten it twice. It's amazing. Uh, First time, my wife and I, we were getting ready to move to North Africa. We were doing church planning there and we were raising funds for that. So if you've ever taken a big step of faith, like we left our jobs and we're stepping out, we're raising funds for this mission that God's called us to. I mean, big, big step of faith, right? Every dollar counts. You know, it's a pretty nerve wracking time, but it's an awesome time to see the ways God provides. Shortly before that, though, my grandmother had passed away. And my parents said, hey, uh, she, you know, you're going to get an inheritance. Really? Now, this wasn't like Scrooge McDuck type money where you're just set for the rest of your life. But this was significant to us, right? When you're, when you're stepping out there, every dollar counts. This was amazing. I was like, wow. Here's the deal. I didn't work for it. I didn't like apply for some grant. I didn't turn in my resume. I received it because of what family I was in. I received it because someone else worked for it because someone else thought about me, because someone else was generous. And man, it was a thing that helped us launch into North Africa and get going there. So second time I received inheritance, we are moving back from North Africa, right? We had very little money. We had very little things. We have two kids now and we're coming back to the States to kind of start life over. And any of you that have kids, you know, kids are expensive. So it's like a a really personally stressful time. Just before then, though, Christina's grandmother died and her parents said, hey, by the way, uh, she left y'all an inheritance. Again, not a ridiculous amount of money, but it allowed us to buy a car, a 10-year-old car, but it was a car nonetheless and, and get started again in life. It was amazing. And again, didn't work for it, didn't write a grant, didn't turn in a resume. We received it because of what family we were in and because someone else was generous, because someone else worked, because someone else thought about us. That's what an inheritance is, right? What we're going to see in this passage of scripture is that whether you've received an inheritance from your kind of biological family or not, that Jesus has an inheritance for you as his people, that Jesus thought about you, that Jesus worked on your behalf, that Jesus was generous towards you. And he's given you not one, but four inheritances that we're gonna see highlighted in this passage of scripture. So let's look at them together. Luke chapter eight, starting in verse one. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. If you're taking notes, that's your first inheritance, the good news of the kingdom of God. First inheritance is the gift of the gospel. That's what we're going to learn about today. Second inheritance we see as the scripture continues on, the 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil diseases, evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had come out. Now hold on right there. 
Seven demons? Like, I would think if someone had one demon, you know, that's probably like problems. You know what I mean? That's a big deal. She didn't just have one. She had seven demons cast out. So everywhere they're going, this little band of disciples with Jesus, if they came across someone who had a demon, who was like, I don't know if Jesus is powerful enough for me. I don't know if this is for me. They could be like, oh, well, have you talked to Mary? Have you seen what Jesus did in her life? Have you seen the way he worked in her life? And it would build hope and faith in the person that they came in contact with. But Mary's not the only one, right? You remember, we've already met one of the 12 named Peter. Peter was a business guy, an entrepreneur. If you're a businessman, a woman, or an entrepreneur, right? Peter's your guy. And he had a power encounter with God in his work. But he was at work and he encountered Jesus in a powerful and life-transforming way. So how many of you know every town they go into, if there's a businessman or woman there, an entrepreneur who's like, I don't know if Jesus is for me, maybe for the people over there. They'd be like, no, 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 have you, have you met Peter? Have you heard his story about how God's worked in his life? And it would build hope and faith in the businessman through hearing Peter's testimony, right? You had Matthew, who was a tax collector. Tax collectors were swindlers. They stole from people. So here's this greedy guy who'll do anything to get what he wants. Well, he encounters Jesus and he becomes generous and he just starts giving stuff away, right? So every time they encountered a tax collector or someone that was like a, a greedy person and be like, I don't know that Jesus is for me. They'd be like, oh, have you met Matthew? Have you heard his story, right? Every person in this group had a testimony of the way that Jesus had worked in their lives. Second inheritance that God has for you is the gift of a testimony. Because this is not just for these Bible heroes, this is for the people of God. That you have a story, if you are in Christ, you have a story of how Jesus has met you and how he has worked in your life, and that is a gift. In the book of Revelation, it tells us about the power of testimony. It said that the saints, that the people of God, overcame trials and obstacles they were facing by two things. Number one was the blood of the lamb. That's the gospel. And number two, do you know what it was? It's the word of their testimony. Testimonies are powerful. And next week, you're going to get insight on what your testimony is. And you're going to learn to be able to communicate that. Our friend Zach Garza, who runs Forerunner Mentoring, is going to be with us. And, and he, yeah, there you go. Zach Garza fan. And he has a really powerful testimony. And from the place that God has worked in his life, that's what's given him vision for his vocation and what he's doing. He's going to share with us about that next week. Okay, third thing that I want you to see as we read this passage is it's not just Mary, but you have uh, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. Focus in on this lady, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. She was a woman of privilege and power. Her husband was high up in the government. That was a, a gift that God had for her, a unique thing about her, that her, that she, as a part of this group of disciples, had, had access and experience like no one else had. It was a gift, right? She was gifted. But there are other people who are gifted in here, right? Back to Peter. Peter had a leadership gift. It comes out more and more as he walks with Jesus. And so if, if the group needed help knowing which way to go, 
man, let's turn to Peter. He's got a leadership gift. If the group needed help, well, what's the government thinking? What are they, what are they doing? Let's turn to Joanna, right? Then you had John. John was another of the disciples. John was kind of this artistic guy that was always talking in metaphors like Jesus is the bread of life, and Jesus is the vine, you know, kind of imagery. And he would have these prophetic visions. He wrote the book of Revelation out of a prophetic vision. So man, here you've got this prophetically gifted guy. You've got this leadership person. You've got this other lady with a gift of, in the governance area. You had Matthew who we talked about. As Matthew walked with Jesus, he developed this writing gift, Right? It's amazing. This was a gifted community. And this community is a precursor to what we see in the later church. That as we come to Jesus, that he highlights and identifies gifts in our lives, strengths, talents, ways that God moves through us that we think, oh, it's just kind of doesn't everybody think that way? No, that's unique. It's a gifted community. Third inheritance that you and I receive is that we get to be a part of a gifted community. And in three weeks, you're gonna to get to learn about your gifts and your talents and your strengths. And you're gonna see, wow, God, this is how you have fearfully and wonderfully made me and how those strengths can be used for the glory of God. Be awesome. And the fourth thing that I wanna show you, fourth inheritance, notice in verse three, said these women were helping to support them out of their own means. So these ladies who were listed, they had resources, they had financial resources. And out of their discipleship to Jesus, they gained wisdom into how God would want them to steward what they had been entrusted. They gained financial wisdom. Actually, we see that throughout the Bible, that as people follow God, God gives them financial wisdom. It impacts their finances to use their finances in wise ways and not foolish ways. I don't know a single person that doesn't want more financial wisdom. Like I don't know a single person that would say, ah, I'm pretty good. All of us want more wisdom. And that's actually an inheritance that God wants to give you. He wants to give you wisdom related to your finances as you follow him, as you're a part of being a disciple. Four inheritances that we're going to learn about. That'll be week four. Now, question for you. I, uh, as I was preparing this message, I found a website that you could put in for unclaimed inheritances on. Now, this is interesting. You could type in your name and supposedly there are, um, you know, inheritances that don't get claimed, you know, that get left to the government that are waiting around for people to claim them. It has their name on it, but they don't know about it. And on this website, you can type in your name and then it'll tell you if you have an inheritance. So you better believe when I saw that, I was typing in my name, my wife's name, my dad's name, my sister's name, my mom's name. My I mean, I was everyone I could think of. I'll type your name in if you find me after the service, right? Who wants to leave an inheritance just out there somewhere? No one does. I mean, you guys are getting on your phone right now. I know, and going to Google, right? You want to find out, is there an inheritance for me somewhere out there? That's just money. You have these spiritual inheritances that Jesus thought about you and wants to give you and is made available to you. And I don't want, and you don't want just to leave that inheritance unclaimed, right? So let's lean in and let's learn together and let's claim these inheritances that God has for us. It's going to be awesome. So today we're going to learn about the first inheritance. This is the inheritance of the gospel, the gift of the gospel. Now we see this in Luke 8. In starting in verse one, where it said they were traveling around, Jesus and his disciples, they were traveling around and they were proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. 
So this is what they were about. This is what they were into. This was central to their community, right? But this isn't the only place that the Bible talks about this, that Luke teaches us about this. If you look back in Luke 4, 43, Jesus says, he gives us insight into his mission statement, into the reason for the incarnation. He said this, but Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. So Jesus is saying, if you want to know me, if you want to understand me, if you want to see what makes me tick, like if you want to be my friend, know this, I was sent to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. I have a, a buddy that I was with this week. I've known him a long time, since college. And this week he told me, he said, hey, this is my mission statement. And he you know, shared it with me. I'd never heard it. I'd known him so long. I've never heard him say that. I was like, I guess I had to cross this almost like two decade threshold before I was in enough with you for you to tell me your mission statement, right? We don't just go around telling people what makes our heart beat, right? You have to be someone's friend. Jesus is inviting us in friendship and he's telling us what makes his heart beat. It's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God all throughout the earth. That's amazing. Well, Jesus' disciples don't just do that while he's, while he's with them, but the book of Acts, which is also written by Luke, tells us that the disciples, after Jesus rose and went to be with the Father, the disciples are going around doing the same thing. They're doing what Jesus did. They're living out of the thing that Jesus was passionate about. Philip, one of the disciples, it says, but when they believed Philip, as he what? Proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized men and women. So here Philip, one of these disciples, is now going around and he's sharing the good news of the kingdom of God. Wow. So this is really important. In fact, in Romans chapter one, I want you to look at this verse. The apostle Paul says this about the good news. Now, before we read this, I have to let you know that gospel is just an old English translation of the word good news of the kingdom of God. That's gospel, okay? So Romans 1, 16, Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So get this, when we know the gospel, we're connected to the saving, healing, delivering, restoring power of Jesus. Wow. When we share the gospel with someone else, we're giving them opportunity to be connected to the saving, healing, delivering, restoring power of Jesus. That's significant, guys. So we said as a community, as we want to practice the way of Jesus, that our first kind of commitment to that is to being people formed by the gospel, formed by the good news of the kingdom of God. Everyone in life, every person you meet this week is being formed by some sort of story. They have some sort of story about what life is all about, about who they are, about what they should be doing, about the way life should work. Everyone has one, right? We, as the people of Jesus, are saying more than the story of our family of origin, more than the story of kind of the generation in which we were born, more than the story of our culture, we want to be formed by the good news of Jesus. We want to be formed by the gospel. That's what it means to practice the way of Jesus. Can we pull that slide up? That's what it means to practice the way of Jesus. We want to be formed by the gospel. We want to love well. We want to be people of prayer, disciples who make disciples, giving generously. All those are fruits of the gospel. And look at number six. 
We want to reach the lost. We want to reach people who don't know Jesus because Jesus was into reaching people who didn't know him, right? So we're following him for us to reach people and connect them to the saving, healing, delivering, restoring power of God. We've got to know it ourselves. So you're going to get a chance to learn that today. It's going to be awesome. And I realize that I say that there are four types of people in this room, my guess, four types of people. Number one, you're a non-Christian. You came here, you're exploring Jesus or you're making your way back to God. However you would phrase it. You came on the best day. Like if you could have picked 52 weeks in a year, man, this is one of the two best days you could have come. Other one being Easter. This is awesome. You give yourself a pat on the back. Say, I knew the smart person. I came on the right day because you're going to learn the gospel. You're going to learn the basics of what it means to know Jesus and understand what he's all about. And you're going to have an opportunity to get connected to the saving, healing, delivering power of God. Second type of person here, you're an evangelist. Like you love this stuff. You think, man, Zach, we should talk about this every week. In fact, I don't even want to listen anymore. I want to go out. I want to go tell somebody about Jesus, right? So you were fired up yesterday. Yes, there you go. I'm with you, right? If that's you, I'm in, right? Now, others of us are, we love Jesus. We want to walk with him, but we've just been unexposed to this. We've never been taught this, or maybe we've been taught it, but we've never been empowered with this in a message that we could communicate ourselves. Uh, one summer I worked at a camp and as they were equipping us to be counselors at this camp, they took a whole day to teach us the gospel so that we could have confidence with the kids that we were investing in, how we could communicate clearly about who Jesus is and what he offered these kids. What a gift. What a gift. That is a gift that I've used over and over and over and over and over again. It's not like the wedding gift you get that you like, you get it one time and you never use that thing again. This is like the gift that you just becomes like a staple in your life. So you're going to get empowered and you're going to get equipped today to be able to have confidence when your kid asks you, mom, dad, what, you know, tell me what's the big deal about Jesus. Or when your fraternity brother or your sorority sister is asking you questions or when your neighbor, when your coworker and you're like, I, I want to say something, I just don't know what to say. You're going to now have confidence. You're not going to know all the answers but you're gonna be able to communicate clearly in your own words, the power of Jesus. It's gonna be great. Now, fourth type of people, you're reticent. You're not sure if this is for you. you say, well, I've been there. I've gotten the t-shirt. I don't know if I like that. It doesn't feel like it's me, Zach. It's for other people, right? For any number of reasons, when this topic comes up, it makes you feel uncomfortable, right? I realize there are those of us that's like, oh, I know I should be into this. I'm just, I'm not, if I'm honest. What I want to do is I want to have my friend John come up and share a little bit of his story. Come on up, John, of the way the gospel has impacted him. Get your microphone. Should we switch to the other one? Or is it good with this one? Okay, great. So, John, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, kind of your background. Yeah, I grew up in Dallas. Uh, my parents weren't believers. I didn't grow up in church. They were pretty educated. They had PhDs. And they were much more about, like, you know, helping people, changing the world through politics and activism. And I was more into sports growing up. Uh, I went to St. Mark's, and then I went over to UT. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can I pause you here? So, so just so I can understand this, you're from Dallas. You went to a religious school. Well, not really, but that's well, a different story. at least has the name, yeah. right? <laughs> and yet... You didn't know Jesus? I mean, I knew of Jesus. You knew of Jesus, but, but you didn't know. I had no know. experience personally whatsoever. 
And you, you, what did you, do you have any Christian friends? Not really, no. So think about that. Sometimes we think, oh, Dallas, everybody already has a church. Everybody already believes. No, that's a lie from the enemy that keeps Christians silent or keeps us apathetic or keeps us kind of caught up in our own world. Grew up in Dallas. Went to a religious school. I had no Christian friends. Think about that. Wow, okay, keep going. You went to UT. Big win yesterday, by the way. Uh, yeah, I uh, went to UT, I got really into the party scene, you know, drinking, drugs, and like it was a pretty reckless lifestyle, but looking back on, looking back on it now, I see that, but time is some kind of normal to me. Yeah, normal college experience, yeah. right? So in college, you meet a, a guy who would prove pretty influential in your life. Who was that? Yeah, it was actually right after college. Right so, after college. Uh, I became a sports writer, moved back to Dallas, and then I got to know this guy named Ian Boyd, who's okay. now in Ann Arbor. Okay. If you might remember Ian, Ian used to uh, be a member here, and now he and his wife are leading worship at our church plant in Ann Arbor. Ian's also a sports writer, so y'all connected over love for sports, yeah, I guess, so, Yeah, I mean, we just, we just watched sports, kind of hung out, talked about the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he wasn't like the most like charismatic guy in the world. He's a pretty normal dude. Okay, so Ian's not like Billy Graham, <laughs> no, we no, would say, not. right? So normal guy, likes football, likes to talk about football. And what did you notice about Ian that kind of stood out to you? I mean, honestly, like his wife was kind of out of his league. So I was like, okay, this guy, <laughs> this guy's got something going on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And their life was just like, their life was like more together than mine. I was kind of living like a college kid and they're like, oh, they're so grown up and mature. It was like, mm. wow, this is different than me. That's mm. for sure. But you told me that you noticed that they had like joy and peace. Is that, is that yeah, right? I mean, they were just content. They weren't like, like worried all the time about stuff like mm. the way I was. Mm. That's a big deal. So you notice one, Ian's wife, you were like, wow, how did you do that, Ian, right? And number two, you saw a joy and a, and a kind of contentment or a peace in their lives that you, you didn't have, right? Okay, so then what happened? Well, he invited me to church, and I went with him, and I mean, it's, I was like, this seems cool, but I just don't believe this, so, you know. Yeah. Okay, so he kind of starts doing something to try and, you know, yeah. reach out to you. You're not really into it. You're like, that's, that's good for you, Ian, but I don't know about for me. And then time goes on and something significant happens in your life uh, that kind of opens your eyes yeah, to... Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a gradual process. Uh-huh. I think, like, for me, growing up outside of the church, I always kind of looked at it like, oh, you know, it's like primitive stuff. It's mm-hmm. superstitious, fairy mm-hmm. tales. Like, we have science. Like, we don't need all this. And I think, like, very slowly, like, God was, like, working in my heart. Mm. I was reading, like, C.S. Lewis, that Mm. kind of stuff. But I was still, like, there was, like, a leap of faith I had to make for. Uh And I think that's what you were talking about. So about five years ago now, I went to an EDM show in Mm -hmm. Dallas. Um, So EDM, they have, like, a DJ, and he's playing music on it. But there's no bands. They usually have, like, a screen behind them, and they'll have images for the audience to kind of kind of just be entertained. So I got there. It was New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. It's been a long day. I'm kind of out of it. And we get there, this concert, and I see on the screen the, from the movie V for Vendetta, they have like the mask. And it's like hovering over the screen, and like these people are like, you know, dancing. I was like, man, I just had like a moment of clarity, like, this is, this is wrong. Like, this is like a demon or something. And I was like, and I just like blew my mind. I was like, if there's demons in the world, mm. and like there's spirits in the world, if there's supernatural stuff, then maybe there's a God. And if there's a God, I better be on his side. I don't wanna be destined to all this. <laughs> so, Ian, y'all have a friendship. A work relationship, he starts, you know, befriending you. You notice some stuff in his life. He invites you to church. Like, ah, I don't know. But you start to kind of read over time. God works in your heart, and then you have this experience. So what happens after this New Year's Day kind of, I don't know, awareness of evil? What happens in your life? Well, so I'm mean, at that point, Ian already been in Ann Arbor. So I just emailed him. I was like, hey, man, I think I need to be a Christian now. So, like, what's up? <laughs> and so... Uh, 
he then sent me a, a few churches in the area I visited, and I came here. I fill out one of those Connect cards, and that's how I got to know Joe. Uh huh. And so you fill out one of those little Next Step cards, like like you have. And so Joe, right here on the front row, follows up with you. Says, "Hey, let's eat at Chipotle, yeah. Southwestern, and Greenville." And then what happens? I just I told him my story, and I'm like, "Hey, I think I want to be a Christian." I was like, "What does that look like?" And so he said, "Okay, first do a little prayer, like the Sinner's Prayer. Mm-hmm. We do that." Then he's like, "Well, now you got to come to my life group." I was okay. Like, All right. <laughs> so now. Did you have a lot of experience with things like Life Group? No, it, not real, not at all. It was weird, honestly. Okay. It's like, because like in the world, it'd be like, why am I going to these married people's house to just uh-huh. hang out? Like, uh-huh. Are we going to drink or something? It was just weird <laughs> for me. So yep. it took a while to get used to that kind of idea and that just, you know, that everyone was really nice and they seemed like they knew what they were doing. So I was like, all right, let's do uh-huh. it. And so over time, what impact did the people in your Life Group have in your life? I mean, I think the big thing was just like developing friendships with the guys there and like they were like more mature believers and they kind of taught me the Bible. They kind of mm. just helped me to grow and just like them investing in me, I think mm. really kind of made the difference. Wow. So that was kind of process fast forwarded, I guess, five years ago. So you're in life group, you're getting poured into, you're walking with Jesus and talk to us about what changes did that bring about in your life? Like we read that the gospel is the saving power of God. Describe what that's looked like in your life. I mean, I think for me, the biggest thing is identity. Mm-hmm. It's like, where do you get your self-worth from? So you grow up in the world, it's like, okay, my self-worth comes from like, oh, like a lot of money or my career is successful. Or I'm really popular. I have a good looking girlfriend. It was like, these are things that I thought I wanted to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And it's because the world's like, oh, if other people think of you as like a cool person, then you will be that person. It's mm-hmm. like, you're all about how other people perceive you to be. Uh-huh. But it's like, it's a very, it's very like, people's perception all the time. So it's like your house is built on sand, like the old, like, like the saying, mm-hmm. or like Jesus' house built on a rock. It's like, uh-huh. okay, this is like my identity is in Christ, not in like what the world thinks of me. So the more that you kind of let your life be formed by the gospel, it solidified your identity away from kind of things that yeah. shift with whatever opinion of the day to something that's more solid. Okay, so what else happened in your life? Well, I think for me, it was just like, I was always dealing with like anxiety and depression because I was very insecure. My identity was coming from that. And as I got to know God, I got to know Jesus. I was like, okay, none of this stuff really matters. Like mm. my life isn't defined by my success in my career or mm. anything. Mm. And so actually I got married about a year ago. Congratulations. My wife, Melissa. And now, your wife is out of your league as well. So how did that happen? Well, I mean, honestly, like- Mine is too. Don't worry, me never a clap. You know, we all know it. <laughs> So like before I became a Christian, I'm not sure I could have asked her out. I've been like kind of intimidated. Oh, she's so good looking. What if she says no? But it was like, okay, look, like it doesn't matter if she says no because like my identity doesn't come from that. And like if I get rejected, then whatever, it's all good. Mom. And so like we get went out. And it's like like my career too. It's like all the stuff that I thought was important. Like it's important, but I can hold an open hand because like, hey, if I lose this stuff, it doesn't really matter. My life is still I'm still no Jesus. It's amazing. So. You have had a number of career opportunities that are really cool that have come your way, but it seems like that Christ has given you ability to go for them but not be defined if they do or don't work out. Is that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's very easy. Like, if you, as you become successful, it's like, oh, I got to hold on to it really tight. Like, I can't mm. let anything. It's like, hey, it's all good. If this works out, then I'll do something else if it doesn't. Mm. You know? mm. That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your yeah. story with us and a little handshake. Now, uh, his story is actually going to be in uh, Christianity Today magazine in October. So if you ever see that magazine, John will be in there. Now, question for you guys. What, Melissa, since you're here. Melissa, are you thankful that Ian reached out and took a risk with John? Yeah. Yes. 
um, the, the John and Melissa are starting to lead life group. So the people now that are in their life group, do you think that they're thankful that Ian long ago reached out to John? Yeah. If God gives John and Melissa children, do you think their children who may not know this mysterious Ethan, Ian, Ian, sorry, wrong one. (laughs) Ian and Ethan were buddies. I know them both. Anyway, Ian, that, that there was this mysterious Ian who reached out to, to dad a long time ago, do you think his kids will be thankful? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I hope you see is whether you feel like, man, this is my cup of tea. You're like, ah, I feel really insecure in doing this. I don't know if this is for me. I hope you see the power that us getting beyond ourselves and stepping out and sharing the gospel can have in a life. And not just a life, but in a family. And not just in a family, but generationally, Right? This is the saving, healing, redeeming power of God. And we've been entrusted with it as his people. So I want to teach you now. I want to teach you the gospel. And we're all going to learn it. Um, It's going to be really simple. So you're going to leave today feeling equipped and understanding how you could understand or share the gospel. It involves three simple circles. Uh, I encourage you to take notes uh, because this is really important. Three simple circles. So we're going to draw circle number one. And just so you could envision this, simple way, you're talking with someone, hey, can I show you something that changed my life? Who's going to say no to that? Sure. Okay. Circle number one, you write God's perfect design. Okay. Because the Bible opens and tells us that God created our world and he created it, he designed it and it was perfect. That you and I are made in the image of God, that we're made to reflect and we're made with value and worth and that we were made to flourish together, that we were about to bring about a flourishing world. God created the world and created it perfectly. I mean, that's great news. How amazing is it to get to tell people you're made in the image of God. You're made with value and worth, right? That's where we start. But that's not what we see in the world around us, right? The world around us, what we see and what we experience is brokenness. I don't know if brokenness has two ends in it, but we'll assume it has one. Uh, Brokenness all around us, right? We look in our own lives. We look in our families. We look on the news. Everywhere we see, we see that we live in a broken world world, that we are broken, that things are wrong. They're not right. Well, how did it get this way? The Bible tells us that it got this way because mankind turned from God and said, we're going to do things our own way. The Bible calls that sin where God said, I'm calling you to be loving. We chose pride. Where God said, I'm calling you to be generous, we chose greed. Where God said, I'm calling you to be pure, we chose impurity, right? Over and over and over again, uh, we've chosen sin time and time and time again. That sin, right, has led our world and led our lives into brokenness, okay? But God didn't leave us there. God didn't leave us in our brokenness, but Jesus came, third circle, Okay, and Jesus, what you need to know about him is he is God. He lived a perfect life 
and he lived according to God's design. So Jesus came down from heaven, he died on the cross, and he rose again, triumphing over sin and death, okay? So now Jesus come, and what he's come to do is to pull us out of our brokenness and to restore us to God's perfect design. So how do we get from brokenness, from this circle, to here with Jesus, right? How do we do that? It involves two things. Number one is repent. Repent just means to turn, right? Let's say, I'm not going to be the boss of my own life. I'm not going to go my way. That ended up with a whole lot of brokenness. You could hear that in John's story, which we just heard. We hear that in all of our stories, right? But as we repent, we say, Jesus, I want to follow you. That means we believe in him. So repent and believe. And as we repent and as we begin to believe in Jesus, he pulls us out of brokenness and brings us to himself. And as he brings us to himself, he restores us to God's perfect design that we can grow into, right? And you heard John talk about this wasn't an overnight transformation, but it was growth over time. We can grow into God's perfect design and he empowers us to go back into a broken world to help other people escape brokenness, come to know Jesus and be restored to God's perfect design. Three little circles, powerful implications, okay? Now, I used to teach middle school math. And in teaching math, right, you go through the lesson for the day. You say to the students, hey, does everybody have this? Every kid, oh, yeah, 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 I got it, got it, got it. Do they have it? No, no one understands it at all. Now, I know you may not be in middle school, but I know the same thing is true, right? We need a little bit more repetition. So what we'd always do in school is we would do the second time through, we would do it together, a little group project, okay? So tell me, what is the, if I'm communicating the gospel, what's the first shape that I need to draw? Triangles? You guys, no, circles. Come on now. All right, I draw a circle. Does anybody remember what goes in the circle? God's perfect design. God's perfect awesome, right? And that leads us into talking about how God designed the world and he created it perfectly. Now, what was the, what was the second circle? What went in it? Brokenness. Brokenness. Great. Two ends, thank you, Google. <laughs> Brokenness, okay. The world around us, our own lives are broken. No one that you talk to is gonna disagree with that. Everyone understands this, right? So remind me, how did we get from God's perfect design to brokenness? What's that word? Sin, right? And I encourage you to give some examples of sin, right? That, we, that you know, help people understand what it is. Okay, but God didn't leave us there. What's the third circle? Jesus. In church, 99.8% of the time, you guess Jesus, you're going to be in a good spot, right? If you start drawing these circles and you forget all of them, just remember Jesus and you'll be okay, right? He'll, he'll, he'll work. Okay. Now, Jesus, remember, is God's perfect design. He's God. He lived perfect. He came and lived according to God's design. Right, and he rose again, died on the cross and rose again to restore us to God. So how do I move from brokenness into Jesus? What are the two things I need to do? 
repent and believe. You are A plus students. Okay. When I repent and believe, when I turn from my sin and my brokenness to Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to believe in you. Right. Jesus restores me to God's perfect design. There's two components of that. What was the first one? Do you remember? Grow. Grow. He empowers me to grow into who God's made me to be. And he empowers me to what? Go. Go back into the broken world and help other people come to know him. Awesome. You guys are sharper than the 915 service. We'll start calling this the gifted and talented service. Okay. Now, here's what I know. Back to math teacher. Do it one time through. Everyone nods they got it. No one has it. Do a second time through group project. Everyone still nods. Maybe 10% of you could actually recreate on your own. Maybe you break the curve, but that's just my experience. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. In life group this week or with a friend, I want you to challenge sharing. uh, I want you to try sharing this with one another. Practice on one another. Draw the circles out. Pretend like you're talking to someone because I want you to be equipped when the opportunity comes your way. Because as John was sharing, I guarantee that there is a John in your life. I guarantee that there is, uh, you know, your kid in a couple of weeks is going to ask you, mom, dad, can you tell me more about Jesus? Or there's a coworker or there's a fraternity brother or sorority sister or a roommate or a neighbor or a family member. I guarantee there's a John in your life. And God wants to equip you so that you could with confidence, I mean, you know all the answers but you could share and connect people with the saving, healing, delivering, restoring power of God. So I want you to practice it this week. With that, listen, I wanna invite you to stand. We're gonna close. We're gonna close with ministry time. Like we do each week, we wanna respond and go to God with this. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you came on this great day, this great Sunday, Uh, After the service, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus, to give your life to him, to repent and to believe. And if that's you, I want to invite you to come forward after the service. Our prayer and prophetic team will be available. And then secondly, we have a few words uh, that we just believe of who God wants to minister to today. Uh, Number one, someone needs to be reminded that the Lord knows the way of the righteous and that their faithfulness will be rewarded kind of imagery from Psalm 1. So if you're here today and you just need to be encouraged in that, we'd love to pray and minister to you. 1 Kings 17, 6, there were ravens that brought Elijah bread and meat every morning and every evening. And he drank from the brook. Big idea, God provides more than enough for us, even in the desert. And if you need a breakthrough in provision from God, we wanna pray for you and minister to you. Uh, Number three, uh, there's someone here that feels like they're eating from a plate that they continually eat from, but they never finish. And it's a plate covered in muck and grime and everything you eat tastes rancid. The thing is, God has already forgiven you. He's already asked you to move forward, but out of fear, you remain going back to the same muck and grime over and over and over again. The consequences you feel aren't God's judgment, but they're natural consequences from remaining in the place of bitterness. And today, God wants to set you free. So if those apply to you, we would love to pray and minister to you. I can pray for all of us as we go. Jesus, you are so awesome. Thank you, Lord, that you cared enough to give us the good news of the kingdom of God. Thank you that you've equipped us today for our own lives and to make a difference 
in the lives of others, Lord. And I pray that we would be sensitive to who are the people in our lives that you've placed us there, Lord, to share this good news with, Lord. And I pray that we would get beyond ourselves, Lord, and we would step into the thing that was so precious and is so precious to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.